0: In this episode, we're going to get into a special painting I came across, a bison painting by a painter that I've been collecting from for a number of years. We're going to explore when America was just better and what made it better when it was better. And then I have to dig in on a question that's going around on the internet right now and has been for a week or two What is a high value man? We're going to explore that together. I'm going to share what I believe a high-value man is. But before we do anything, we're starting these shows off with a show and tell. And so here we go. In one of the episodes, what was the episode? It was um, it was uh, Fortune Favors Boldness. I tell I told I told you guys about a um a few items I got from a shop. I was not able to get this piece at the time. But I persisted. And perseverance always pays off. Persistence always pays off. No, I, I but I ended up persisting and I ended up getting it. This is a piece by the same artist Cleveland. Um Fred Cleveland or Fred I think it's Fred Cleveland and he's again the same guy that does this painting here. So I've got like I don't know four four of his pieces. But this is awesome because um it's just it's kind of strange. It's it's a it's a obviously a painting of a bison on leather. You can't quite tell, but it's leather. And then he um nailed it into the I don't know, the frame or the backdrop here. It's a kind of a similar color, but you can barely make out the details of the bison in the right light you can. But I think it's a really good selection of oil and color. Super cool piece. But I love that I got it from that old dude, Gilo, an old friend, guy in the trading post business. And, um, yeah, I kind of had to persist because he didn't want to give it to me at first, but uh, I was able to pull it off. So we got it. I got that painting.
1: How, how common or uncommon is
0: leather as like a substrate never, for painting? I've never seen anything quite like this. That's not to say it's not common because I'm, I'm actually quite uncultured with uh, art like this. I've just kind of been taking a liking to getting some, collecting some. But it. Um, I've never seen anything quite like this. I love it because it's like, it's kind of got the outer frame, and then you got the gold frame. But it is, it's just like a painting on a piece of leather, a square piece of leather. The colors are awesome. It's right down my alley. And of course, the bison. So, Southwest culture in all its glory. But that's that. And then I have this Boy Scout shirt. I got this in San Francisco on my honeymoon. No way. I did. We went to, uh, went across all all along the 101. It was a beautiful honeymoon. In fact, we got married. We stayed one night here. Maybe it was two nights. We stayed two nights here uh, at a resort in Albuquerque or just outside. And um, and then we drove straight to San Francisco, and we stayed with uh, Breeze' aunt. She has a house out there in um, San Rafael, something like that. And um, stayed out there for a few days. And we did the one hundred and one down the coast. It was beautiful. Took photos, tons of photos. Big Sur, all that stuff. We did Big Sur at uh, sundown. And I you know, I, I'd always heard the phrase white knuckle driving, but I never experienced it. We uh we tried to stay in Big Sur. So we were driving down the coast, sun's going down, took some beautiful photos at the perfect time, golden hour, ride right on the coast, ride right at you know, at all these beautiful spots. I should have had some pictures to show. But we go down and we find a place that has a little bit of vacancy. And he said it was like a lot for a room. And I think he knew, he's like, you have no choice. You got to have to do it. And I, we decided, oh, well, I guess we'll just drive. We'll just go. Yeah, beautiful. Gosh, if you've ever been, it's the most beautiful place in America. Um, One of. But he was like, yeah, we got a room. But it's like X amount of dollars. And says, if you guys want to make it, you, you better leave now because they closed the highway at 10. And uh, so that meant we had to go fast to get down to Carmel, I believe was the next town.
1: Did you say they closed the highway at 10?
0: It probably wasn't Carmel, but... Yeah, they they closed it down because it gets foggy. Oh, And dang. it's a dangerous drive because you're driving on the cliff's edge.
1: That's crazy. It, I've never heard of that.
0: Yeah. And and when you're driving wet, uh, south, you're on the outside. So you're, you're on the side with... And some of them... Um, some of the parts of the road don't have, you know, like a crazy, you could drive off the edge of the cliff and we're on our honeymoon. And so I was, I was, uh, and this was one of the first time, if not the first time where I was, I I had this like new mindset come alive in me where I was like, I'm responsible for another human being now. So it was like the weight of this, like, oh, I'm married. If like I go off the cliff, like it's on me that she's, you know, and so, but it was. I was like white knuckle driving all the way, and I remember like seriously, my hands. By the time it was like an hour or two hours later, we got down to the next city. I forget what the city's called. A little town, a little beach town, it's a beautiful town. But my hands were like kind of like stiff, and because uh, I was I was so stressed driving. So was she, and it's not like it's crazy, but we're in our you know if I drive a to a a really small Toyota Yaris still it's her it was her car at the time um and so it's not like a crazy nice car and like i don't know it's not a safe feeling car and uh anyways um so it just was like a it was a dangerous type of drive i'm i'm being a little weak beta talking talking about it but it was dark and it was starting to fog up and not only that when you get people behind you the pressure that puts you, you're like oh i guess this guy wants to go really fast And there's not really a lot of pull off. So anyway, guys, I know that's really weak of me, but I was really taking seriously the responsibility of my wife. Isn't that cute? Give me some credit. Okay. Oh yeah, I didn't even tell the story of this shirt. So we get it, we we eventually make it to, that was before, but we made it to San Francisco. and went to this vintage shop. It was recommended by a friend. And I got in a lot of trouble it's funny, because I think um, in our Santa Fe Vintage episode, forget which one that's called, I talked about how I got in trouble for buying a jacket. <laughs> I got in trouble for buying a jacket. I bought this shirt, and I bought a leather jacket, and I don't regret it one bit. And I bet she doesn't really regret it either, because I've definitely put that thing to use. And we have a memento of our honeymoon in San Francisco. Now, of course, that town's turned to... Because everything woke turns to... And so it definitely has turned to that, but I had a love for that town. The history, the music, the hippie era. I don't know. I have a little bit of a tender spot in my heart for that.
1: And plus you earned your road trip badge. And so, your yeah, past, so, and this so you is, had to stitch that on. Yeah. You, you know. can't
0: read it. You can't read it, but I, I earned my, I finally earned my road trip badge from the white, white knuckle driving. And, um, but yeah, I think that's about it. Oh, and one last thing. So, this is going to be a new thing, but every, every episode we release, I'm hoping I can do this and keep this up, but uh, I have a new piece out. So, I, um, this, this piece here, I don't know if you can really catch it, but it's, a, uh, it's an old-fashioned type, like Fred Harvey type thing, but it's my rendition of a Thunderbirds uh, souvenir ring. And it's on an old signet. Um, these are now available as of today, and we're doing something fun. I'm going to hide... Not hide, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a promo code with, throughout the episode. So if you stick around, watch the episode, you'll get 20% off within the first 24 hours of the show's launching. You'll get 20% off of really anything in the online shop. You'll get the code. It'll be um, available. But also this piece. And so these are made to order, made in the size that uh, you need. And uh, a nice little piece, I think it's a f- uh, 6 by 8 Caraco Lake oval Turquoise Stone. Caracal Lake is a Nevada, turquoise. And um, that's that. Okay. I wanted to start off by going back to when America was better. And that was probably in the 80s. But for me, I have a more, uh, I I, I like the 60s. So I found a couple of things that I wanted to bring up. And this first one is when ads were better. You guys remember cigarettes? You don't see many wild You guys
1: remember those? <laughs> I'm probably the last generation that remembers indoor smoking.
0: Really? Yeah, you probably are. Yeah. I barely remember it. I remember village in smoking section. Oh yeah, smoking smoking or non-smoking? No, Both. you
2: don't see many wild Stallions
0: anymore. I remember they used to ask you that. And even the host. He did
2: run oh yeah. three of your best mares. He's one of the last of a wild Come on. And very singular breed.
0: Come on, that's americana right there. They say smoking cigarettes ups Earth your testosterone. Place. Come to Marlboro? But it also ups your cancer. So it also helps your ADHD apparently. Apparently. Did you guys ever smoke? Us guys? You guys. Yeah, you of course and your other alter ego. <laughs> Just get <kidding. laughs> Uh, if you ask my parents, no. Oh, fair enough. Uh, fair but, enough. Uh,
1: yeah, if you ask other people.
0: I smoked for a period of time. In fact, on a road trip, this is the road trip talk. This is the road trip episode. But on a road trip with my wife, right after we got I believe it was right when we got married, right after. So shortly thereafter, I think we'd bought a pack of cigarettes. And on our way out, we used to do these things on Monday nights, or Monday, Monday days, Mondays, of we would wake up in the morning, we'd just go... Um, drive in any direction. It's so when we, I think when we came back here, it might have been before we moved, I don't know. Um, or before we were married. But we used to just drive in any direction and just kind of go, find a new place. No GPS, no nothing. But on the way to one of those destinations, I think we we're going towards Grant's. Um, we had bought a, cig- a pack of cigarettes on our way out and we were talking and I said this is our last pack of cigarettes and she's like yeah right and sure enough that was the last pack of cigarettes we ever bought we stopped smoking she she was the she was the bad influence of my life at that point or with that now you just smoke them one off you know now I just smoke them one off no yeah. I have had a few like you know puffs Um, but no I yeah we don't smoke well, cigars, right, the occasional cigar, but um, yeah, she didn't believe that me that we were gonna stop smoking, and uh she got me to start smoking because she started smoking first, and uh, I never smoked like crazy, but like a pack a day type of crazy, but i used to I used to smoke a little bit, never smoked weed, never really smoked weed, I guess there was a couple of occasions where I like kind of tried to act cool or something, like that. but uh anyway um where was i going with that oh yeah where's was the marble commercial there's another great ad um the what is the best car that would be a good thing to put in the comments your favorite car or the best car design ever any era what is the most beautiful car comment in, uh, in the comments section on youtube i don't know if you can comment on Apple or Spotify yeah do it on YouTube uh, comment your favorite car this is the perfect car so whatever you comment if it's not this car is the incorrect answer <laughs> um, including whatever chorus is gonna pull up it's a very similar commercial they really loved that imagery Bronco. Ford Bronco. first four-wheel drive sports
2: car blazing a new trail of excitement the new Ford Bronco for 1966. A rough, tough,
0: go anywhere, climb anything sports car. If you disagree with me, V8 you need to repent. <laughs> because this is the most beautiful vehicle ever created. If you disagree, you need to do it in a five-star review. And then comment <laughs> your disagreement in the five-star review. There you, that's the only way you'll get through to me. But man, isn't that thing good looking? It is really nice. Bronco wagon, family for the streets, for the ranch. Bronco, a new V8 at your Ford man, Ford, America's vehicle.
1: I grew up on German cars. <clears> and so for me, the VW, man, that is just the most, that's the pinnacle of uh, 1980s car design.
0: Yeah. It isn't, I'm fine with 80s era cars that there is a, there is a look and there is a good aesthetic to it. It's the first sports hatch, man. What was the CRX? Is that a car, right? The CRX? The Honda CRX? That's a pretty cool, pretty cool 80s you pull it up. car as well. Um, yeah, you're wrong, but I'll be a little light on you because, <laughs> uh, you know, circumstances I won't bring up. But um, That doesn't sound right. I don't know what you're getting at. The hun- yeah, so that's a pretty decent looking car, too. Yeah. The hatchback. I like hatch. But the 80s, and it's a good era. I'm not going to argue it's not a good era. It's a different type of car. But then you look at like now, like modern car design. Dude, they all look the same.
1: It's, it's really you, you wrong. You can't tell. If you look at the silhouette of a car now, you can't tell who made it. And if it was made like in the last four years or now, mm-hmm. it's really a
0: bummer. It's because women are designing them, right? It must be. It must be. I'm I, sorry, I, I ladies. It's also,
1: it's also cost cutting. I think it's like you get a silhouette that kind of works, you get a chassis that kind of works, and you're like, okay, we're gonna milk this for the next 12 years, you know?
0: Yeah, but look, look at like a new, like a 2020. I don't know, standard car was like a Rav Four or something like that, like a Toyota 2022 Rav Four. See if you can find that, and and. It's just a different. It's not nice. They they're more int- intricate. That's what's crazy is It's like somebody was given a um, access to create their own MySpace, and they had endless possibilities, and they had no level of restraint. They use
1: all the tools.
0: They used every every font was a different color. There was no boundaries. It was just that's not the worst looking car. But there's there's no um,
1: okay. But if if you take off the badge. That could be like four manufacturers. Yeah, that doesn't have any sort of.
0: Soul it looks to like it. a Subaru something, like an odd off-road race car. I saw one of those I think today or yesterday, and it's been a long day. Um, but modern cars are just—they're just not. They're not on par. They with also cars. feel like plastic. That's right, and I wonder if that's because of. That's one thing, right? Is it? Is it that they're um designed to kill less people because there was like a look at that that's perfect there's nothing
1: wrong with that that's a car worth dying for i'm going to die for that car and a fender bender and
0: that's it but you know what yeah exactly you look good going out bro i mean come on we gotta we gotta at some point guys we gotta decide to kill more people <laughs> sorry I, I gotta probably edit that right i don't know <laughs> that, not that I, got us kicked off something i don't that's know got, yeah, which, what it was but um we, sorry, that sounds terrible. You, YouTube, come on. Um, no, we, at some point we got to cut the costs here. I mean, we got to we got to sacrifice lives for vanity. It's just the right thing to do, and that is the right decision with these cars. But they were made with like metal, right? Wasn't the frame like, and then and all of the out, outside was just pure steel, whereas now it's just cheap plastic, fiberglass, whatever it is. <clears throat> So on a different note, um, another awesome thing is why America used to be better. Design was better. Car design was better. Um, Men were better. Cigarettes, risky, hard work, rodeos, the old west. Uh, Music was better. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Bob Dylan was better uh, than most everything out right now. Pop music, controversial take. Uh, come on, deal with it. But there was a—I used—I used to, I used to lo- love him. I used to listen to all of his interviews. Um, pi- pioneer of my music, of but your, I thought this was the greatest album. moment. Your, uh, uh, album, <laughs> the uh, one with subterranean music, blues in it. Gosh, like she's so triggered already. The meaning of the photograph with you and the wearing of triumph. T-shirt.
3: What did you want to know about it?
0: Well, I'd like to know that that's an equivalent photograph. It means something. It's got a velocity in it. And I'd like, know, <laughs> I'd like to know... I'd like to know visually what it represents to you because you're a part of that. Building. So he's... Pause it. Um, For context, that guy, he's... I don't know if he's done too many drugs or what, because 60s, of course, a lot of people were doing drugs. But he's asking... On the cover of Highway uh, 61 Revisited, I think it was that album. It was one of the album covers. He's wearing a a shirt. I believe it was a Triumph motorcycle shirt. And this guy's just like so like in this fantasy land. He has this opportunity to ask his idol, Bob Dylan, a question. What did the Triumph shirt mean? What were you trying to portray with that shirt on the album cover? And Bob Dylan's like, "Uh, nothing. I just was wearing a shirt. Let's keep watching.
3: I haven't really looked at it that much. I don't really I've thought about it a great deal. I, it was just taken one day when I was sitting on the steps, you know. I, I, don't, uh, I don't really remember very too much about it. But what and about the motorcycle? was the
0: image in your, in your songwriting. You seem to like that.
3: Oh, we all like motorcycles to some degree.
0: I do. Uh, do you think of
3: primarily as a singer or as a, well, I think of myself more as a should we bring back smoking I'm not I'm not saying, the,
0: I'm not saying that
3: song and dance, man.
0: but I am also suggesting it should we start smoking again we're just
1: posing the question, yeah, we're, it's just a question. we're just posing the
0: question listen guys it's, I'm not asserting anything no I'm joking but it, they are pretty cool they're, they're, they're not healthy don't smoke, kids. Really wasted, but this makes you, want to, this makes you want to smoke a cigarette. This makes me want to smoke a cigarette. I'm not going to do see it. it.
3: No, not on the show. See it, but it's more this is like a family show. Is it, though? <laughs> That's probably good. Very ruthless. And, uh...
0: So what's cool about him is him and I... Well, I'm not trying to like get in his sphere, by no means. But he... um. Shoot, I wonder if you could find a live version. I'm tired of getting these copyrights of, um, you're going to have to serve somebody. I think it's called um, something like that, serve somebody. Um, But he came to Jesus. I don't know if you knew this, but he had a, I don't know if if it sustained or if it was genuine or whatever, but he had a moment where I think through the vineyard church, he, um, gosh, who was it that it kind of brought him into the fold? But yeah, he had a genuine, seemingly genuine transformation back in the 80s or 70s, and um, he wrote a whole album. Everybody knows about it. If you don't, you're a square. Just kidding. Everybody hates his voice. I love it. This is another one of those things that if you don't like his voice, I hate to tell you, but you're just wrong. You just got this one wrong. It's better than
1: being boring. I hate no one more than Michael Bublé because he's perfect and boring. He is perfect. He's
0: AI. He is. He's a Ken doll with a mic. If you listen closely, you can hear the autotune in his recordings. I will admit I don't really love his voice in all eras. In fact, I think he was insecure about his voice for a long period of time, and he still put out like 700 songs. So, which is rock and roll is like, hey, you don't like my voice? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put out 100 albums then. That's pretty awesome. So, yeah, I found out. I think my mother-in-law has some vague connection with his people in his salvation sphere, or maybe even him. I don't know. Really? Yeah. Because my mother-in-law was heavy in the vineyard movement early on in, in, in the Calvary, the whole thing. And, um, so they, they had like, I don't know if it was firsthand experience, but it was, it was really close. If not of that whole situation. She, and don't hold me to this, Jody but I believe she's also mentioned that uh, Robert Kardashian was in that same sphere where he came to the Lord and he was affiliated with them and the vineyard. And you might have to fact check me on that. Um, But I do remember that that was the case that I don't know anything about the Kardashians and I honestly don't really care. Um, Not to like be above it or anything, but you know, but I do hear there was a clip of yay um a, a few months back on one of those controversial podcasts where he says I'm Robert now he was kind of asserting like I'm the he, what he was trying to say was because Robert was a godly leader leader he's like the patriarch is that, what that yeah he was like the godly patriarch kind of taking the torch and i actually thought it was kind of a powerful statement but yeah this he's might be of, the
1: perfect like circle back to the uh, Ford Bronco Okay, because did you know Robert Kardashian represented OJ in the trial? Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, there you go. So
1: it's meant to be. That all these topics are just meshing
0: beautifully. Whoa! It's just the sovereign will of God, guys. It is. We're witnessing it live. You, and if you haven't
1: watched the People versus OJ Simpson, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe maybe I shouldn't name you drop can. this uh, show, but it's on Netflix, and they kind of document the uh, the whole story of OJ they go through the whole iconic uh Ford Bronco slowest chase in the world and Ross plays Robert Kardashian. Couldn't come close. <laughs> Never came close. Was it good? It was pretty good. I'm a nerd with that kind of stuff with like any sort of true crime. Oh yeah, uh, reenactment. Yeah, yeah. So it was really fun. And uh yeah, there's a couple cameos where like the, there's obviously actresses that are the Kardashian kids and, and uh like the sort of animosity that was happening at like the funeral and stuff.
0: What happened to him? How did he pass? I don't, he had some sort of medical issue, I think. Okay. Where he, he passed away, mm. but yeah. Could you imagine what America would look like if he didn't? Oh, like if he was more present? Yeah. As a, as a godly man. That'd be crazy. Yeah. I want, that's well, a,
1: that's a, that's an interesting perspective.
0: You know, then you can maybe make the argument that the Kardashians wouldn't be the Kardashians. But they were because I mean they were an iconic family then because of him representing OJ. Yeah, but now their household name. I mean, that's like a whole other level. But not necessarily for the right reasons, right? No, it, that's true. That's true. If he would have stayed, would they have gone off into this vanity world and made a show? I'm sure. I wonder if the trajectory of the entire family would have been different. Well, do you know? And and even even uh, Br- uh, Bruce or uh, Caitlyn Jenner or whatever. Like what would, like if that, what, what would have happened there? Bruce is a dude still? May, what if, right? An alternate universe. If anyone is in that universe or can can tap into that and tell us what, what happens in that world, I'd love to hear that. That'd be wild. Quantum physics. We're going to shift crazy, but before we do, the code is for 20% off the first 24 hours is bison 20 B I O S O N 20 you get 20% off the entire website and if it over if it's over $100 you could type in also the code america and you get free shipping so there you go that's the secret code that's the first hey, didn't time didn't you
1: say the first person who purchases you're going to handwrite them a letter isn't that what you were <laughs> I'm going about? to
0: handwrite you um a letter and uh, <laughs> Gosh, yeah, I, I will <laughs> Now it's on the show, so now it's promised The first purchase with that code Gets a handwritten uh, Can't say love note because I, I'm happily married to my wife um, um, But what How can I make it special? I'll, I'll throw in an extra piece of jewelry in there for you
1: Whoa, that's you above go. and beyond That's like another level
0: I will I'll throw in a, a pin A turquoise pin Alright Don't nice. push it that's it. Be grateful. Be grateful. So we're going to shift gears here. That was all the light stuff. It's going to get a little bit more heavy. Not in a negative way, hopefully. This could be fun. But there's been a debate brewing online on the internet.com. And, uh, I just, I never knew about this guy. His name's Rolo Tomasi. Hate to give him any more glory than he deserves. Because he's kind of a little douche. But he, um... He wrote a tweet a few weeks ago. I want to say early May. I guess it was a couple weeks ago. Um, Here's the tweet. Can you pull up the tweet? Rolo Tomasi. So this guy is in in the red pill community. And I guess that just means he is... He's in the manosphere. It's another way of talking about it. Or the uh, male feminists. So they're people that kind of take it a little too far. It's imbalanced, but toward men. And it, you know... Like kind of weird. Like they kind of almost, if they don't advocate cheating, they're they're like fine with it. That men can cheat, women can't cheat. It's like uh, the red pill community is kind of like Andrew Tate world, but it's uh, it's not necessarily faith based by any means. And actually, this is the catalyst that's kind of separating these red pill people from other people who are kind of being bold in in what's right in traditional values, traditional. gender roles or whatever it is. But these guys take it pretty severe. And, but he, he wrote this tweet where he says, the quickest path to becoming a high-value man, do not get married. Avoid family creation. Get a vasectomy in your 20s. Lift consistently. Eliminate all sedations. Learn game and networking. Play to your strengths. Build wealth. And then finally, resist easing up on your focus. So every single one of those is very self-focused, very selfish. But the one that got a lot of heat, obviously, which was combined in the first three, which is, which would be very um, vibrantly opposed by traditional faith-based Christians, which is the do not get married, avoid family creation. And then, of course, most controversial vasectomy in your 20s. What is that? And he tries to make a case. Well, this was, I was trying to make this advice. Okay, dude. Um, And he was also trying to say, oh, this isn't for everybody. This is for a very specific set of people. Regardless, it's really, really uh, funny advice. But yeah, he calls himself like the godfather of the red pill. Oh, oh. And they've appropriated red pill, because obviously, for those that don't know, red pill originally meant, it was a an, an allegory uh, derived from the movie The Matrix, where you took the red pill, you went down the rabbit hole, you find out the truth and how the world actually is, and then the other pill was the blue pill, where you wake up, ignorance is bliss, and you forget it all. And um, so they're taking, you know the red pill they're appropriating the the proper red pill i like the red pill analogy but they're 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 improper we're taking it back i, I don't i don't allow them i'm, I'm not giving them the uh, red pill thing um oh so 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 he got a lot of, of of crap for that tweet specifically the vasectomy thing and then also people started saying well what is a high value man what does he mean by a high value man? The quickest way to become a high value man. And it just totally destroyed his entire brand because he didn't even know what a high value man was. He didn't know how to define it. And so he's defining it based off of all these different subjective things like how many women you can have sex with, how much money you can make, all of these really selfish and vain, worldly, empty, things. And, uh, and he, I believe, sticks by all those things. And so there's becoming this, this divorce from some of those people in that community, from other traditional Christians, whatever. And so I thought I wanted to give my perspective on what a high-value man is in contrast to, and here it is, So, these are things that I found along my journey of becoming that. To start it off, when I was like 18, 19, I was living a useless life. I was depressed. I had nothing going for me. I was essentially a high school dropout. A girl had just broken up with me, and I had no future, I had no plans. I was playing video games all day, every day, into the night, and so I got to a point of uh, emptiness of realizing, oh, if I don't change things, things aren't going to change. Um, and so I—that's when I began to real, like, really pursue. Okay, what, what do I need to do here? What I need to change things. And so the first thing, the first thing I had to come to understand was. In relation to say this argument, they they didn't. There's no objective high value. Value has to be sourced by something. It has to be hinged on something. And to them, it's just all subjective. Some of them were saying, "Oh, it's based on what women desire in men. It's based on um, financial value. If you make ten thousand dollars a month, hundred twenty thousand dollars." And then they were like, "Well, it's hard because it's New York. It's..." Kansas. And if you're in Kansas, $120,000 is a lot of money, but in the, so it's entirely subjective. They had no anchor for the rationale. And so, in my perspective, in God is objective standard of value. Is the objective standard of value. He defines it. Um and how do we get to know God? to know the objective standard of value through Jesus. I think that's the easiest way to do it, through this book right here. And so, but to do that, you have to be humble. You have to not know all the answers at some point. And so these are them. These are mine. One, be humble. A humble man is a high-value man. It's the beginning of a high-value man, I'll say. And that was the case for me. When I became a Christian, I started in the New Testament, I started in Matthew, started reading the Bible. Right around that time when I was in, in in empty in a bad place. I said, I'm gonna read my Bible. I'm gonna go into my backyard and I would take a cigar and take a cup of coffee. I had my Bible and I had my journal. And I'd sit there and I'd start by and I recommend this to anybody. Anybody. Because it was so is the perfect Thing. But I would sit there and I'd pray. I was in the middle of spring. It was beautiful outside. And um I'd pray. And I would I would say, Lord, if you're there, because I, I didn't I didn't know if I believed anything at the time. Show me. And I, st- I opened up my Bible and I started in Matthew. And eventually I got to Matthew 633. And In Matthew 6, 33, he says this. Jesus, red letter Bible right here. This is 32. I'll start in 32. It says, for the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Clothes, food, that's what it says just before that. In 33, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things shall be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble in its own. <clears throat> but I stuck on to that one. That was one of the first ones that really, like, was it. I, that, was an, that was an anchor, an early anchor. Seek first the kingdom, and all things shall be added unto you. But to do that means you've got to submit. You've got to submit to something, which is the Lord. Seek first. What does it mean to seek the king? What is the kingdom? Jesus is Lord. He is king. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. You submit to the king of kings, you're a part of his kingdom. A king is, has a kingdom, and his kingdom is, is that, to become a Christian, to come to the end of yourself. And so that's really, that was the point of, of no return for me. <laughs> I became a Christian. So I would say that, but it requires humility, because you have to come to the end of your way. And Jesus is I in the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That was it right there. So one is be humble. Two, you got to be wise to be a high-value man. You got to seek wisdom. So what is wisdom? Wisdom isn't knowledge. It's not vain. It's defined like this. Wisdom is the ability to discern what is true right or lasting it is not simply intelligence knowledge is understanding or or sorry knowledge or understanding gosh i'm retarded i'm unwise (laughs) Um, it is not simply intelligence knowledge or understanding but the ability to use these to think and act in such a way that common sense prevails and choices are beneficial and productive. And so in the Bible, that was one of the beginning things too. It says in, in Psalms. I'm sorry, in the Proverbs. Let's see, was it Proverbs one It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. James 1.5 is another good reference for this. So I feel like when these guys were talking about it, they left out all the important stuff. And of course they're not Christians, so I don't, you know, I don't necessarily expect them to you know, see these things or believe these things. But James 1.5, I didn't bookmark this one. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. So to be a high-value man, you've got to be wise. And really the great utility in wisdom is this, Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing in God, or to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I think that's, that's probably the ticket right there. Is I think so many people have such a hard time navigating the world. Oh my gosh, I went through a whole saga of my life just trying to gain wisdom. And I was uh, just trying to understand, what is God's will? What is God's will for my life? And this scripture right there brought me so much comfort. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing, perfect will, by the renewal of your mind. But it's a separation of values. Jesus says it in in the Beatitudes or in the Sermon on the Mount, I believe where he says, what, 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 would it, what, what would you have gained if you have gained the world but forfeited your soul? Now, I know this is obviously the traditional, the Christian perspective, so I don't expect them to know these things. And so these red pill guys are basing all of their thoughts off of subjective values. In fact, they, 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 they dismiss all moral values. In the pursuit of, I guess, high value. I don't know, but that's it. It, it you can't you can't base it off money. Now, I'm um, not to say that money isn't a measure of 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 value of say you know wealth. It is, but you can be a rotten person and have a lot of money, and so it's not necessarily an active or a um, inaccurate. Reasoning,
2: and
1: have, so yeah, I have a question for you. Yeah, so maybe pulling a little less of the like biblical mindset here and more yeah social great. political. Do you see value in the this group of guys or this p- particular movement in like the idea of the Overton window, like they are probably mm-hmm. overcorrecting from a societal norm that has overtaken like feminism and extremist feminism. And do you see them as like pulling the conversation back to center in any way? Do you value the utility in that? Or do you feel like there's damage being done that's irreparable?
0: I think the reason, uh, I think a lot of people accepted these people in their perspective for a while in the pragmatic view. uh, I think they have expected it all until this moment. I think this is the pivotal moment because no, I think, well, yes, up until this point, where they start advocating against mm-hmm. a family and for um effectively sterilizing young men now, can you reverse a vasectomy? Okay, yeah, but it's like a thirty percent shot, and so when they started advocating for that, that's when people are like, "I'm out, dude, bye now, even still the <coughs> excuse me, they were advocating for like sexual promiscuity, technically speaking. So it would not necessarily have ever been aligned with the biblical values or whatever. But can you can you expect or can you appreciate, I think kind of your question was, can you appreciate for, for the Overton window or at least the the needle being brought over to the middle more? Yeah, I think so. But, but on these certain non-compromising ones for me, uh, yeah, this is where I get out.
1: I think that makes sense. Like this is the point where It kind of comes to a head because most of the people that are in the circles that I am in would say the only reason to fight for that balance in society or in the home is so that we have a healthy, upright view and structure for the family and for society. And if we're going to skew that into promiscuity or all these other weird sorts of views,
0: then we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater at that point. Yeah. And I think it's just important to discern and say, hey, yep, you know, if you guys are. Anti-feminists, which would be you know the uh, extremists like uh, men should be subservient, uh, less than, or we should punish men to elevate women that type of thing in the workforce or what, whatever. And yeah, it's like no, I'm I'm out obviously with the feminism. And so when they combat that, they're like, oh yeah, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So you can accept that to a degree, but then when they start spouting like really bad stuff, like getting a vasectomy in your twenties, I'm out, dude good. But yeah, I think you can you can ride that train until it it hits its uh till last arrival. Week. Exactly. Um that's not to justify, you know, that they've said things that aren't are inexcusable. Um are just not right. But socially, yeah, I would ride the train for a little bit for for the correction. Um never obviously compromising principles. All right, so we got whiz- we got uh, humility. A humble man is a is a high value man. A wise man is a high value man. A strong man and I, I'm not gonna dismiss physical strength because I think that is important, but I think that's where they'll that's where they'll highlight and they will um they won't necessarily continue in the inner strength um of like say self control. In fact they don't they don't even that's not even a part of their vocabulary I would from what I've seen men should be able to like they say things like this, they say things like it's kind of like what Dennis Prager said he's like men want variety, and they justify and say, oh yeah men men should be able to essentially have the ability to sleep around and do this or that and have multiple wives. Some of these guys think, and uh without consequence and uh have as many kids as possible with as many women as possible. Some of them believe that. I don't know I don't want to say that all of them do. But obviously that's despicable. <clears throat> the kids need a father in their life. But uh to define what I mean by strength, I think is uh I think we are called to be strong in the Lord. To have self-control, to be able to withstand. And endure. I think strength brings about character. So Romans 5 3 kind of talks about this. And I always remembered this. This is one that stuck with me since I worked at Starbucks for whatever reason. I think it's because an atheist guy brought it to my attention before I'd ever read through this part. But he said, um, This is Paul 5 3. Romans five three. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. And so that that's that whole pattern is kind of repeated a few times throughout different letters. I think it's in James, I think Peter also. It says something very similar. But this pattern of suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance brings again, uh, uh, about endurance or strength. And then strength brings about hope. But strength, what is strength? Is, are you able to endure hardship? Are you, are you able to uh, weather the storm of hardship? We all kind of went through some, some hardships in the last few years. Undoubtedly, everybody has. How did you weather it? Did you curse God? Did you curse your neighbor? Did it change your heart? That's, that's what I would say, is if you can withstand what life puts at you, a death in the family, severe hardships like, say, Job, what happens to Job, and come out of it on the other end, the same man or a better man, a better man, that's strength. Because that's the call, right? Rejoice in your sufferings. Because it begets character. That's strength. And that's self-control, ultimately. You'll be able to withstand temptation. Are you able to say no to, to corn? By corn, I mean the other one. To sloth? Are you able to say no to a certain deal because it disobeys your conscience? Business deal? Money? Greed? I think that's strength. And I think that kind of informs eventually courage, which would be my number four. In Joshua one night, is one of my favorite scriptures. Be strong and of great courage. And Timothy one seven was another one. We've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I always think of those because courage isn't courage, they say, unless you have to overcome. Courage is doing the right thing in the face of danger or great personal cost. But to be courageous, you have to be strong, and uh, but you have to be courageous. You have to have wisdom. You have to be able to test and approve what what would be right. And it's not always right according to the worldly sense of things. And so it sounds upside down to a lot of people. A lot of people will not ever understand. Why, though they say the Pharisees didn't understand when Jesus was up on the cross, is said, bring yourself down. You could save all these other people, you can't save yourself. They can never understand that he was doing, paying the ultimate price. And that required, gosh, if you've ever seen the Passion and you see him and now this is obviously not the truth of the situation, but I think it's a, an interesting representation of the Garden of Gethsemane moment where he's tormented to the point of sweating blood and, and to the point of saying, Father, may this cup pass for me. Does this have to happen, Lord? And essentially, the answer is yes, it has to happen. And he says, not my will, but yours. That's courage. That's the ultimate allegory or illustration of courage. Okay, so to repeat real quick, we got be humble, be wise, be strong, be courageous, be loving and tender. I think a lot of people have a hard time with this one. A lot of men, mainly men. I have two good examples of this in my life and I think this is why I've never had an issue with like crying in public. I've cried multiple podcasts already. But I had really strong uncles that one of them was a pastor, a vineyard pastor. He's a very strong man. He was an entrepreneur. He owned his own businesses. You know, he had a lot of kids. He worked really hard with his hands and was bold. He was a bold, bold man, exemplified a lot of courage. But when he'd preach a sermon sometimes, he would, he, would, he would bust out into tears. He was on, I wonder if you could find it. This would be awesome. Extreme Home Makeover. This is a good example. You'll get to kind of visualize this with me. Extreme Home Makeover, Albuquerque, Gerald Martinez. Gerald Martinez was my uncle. Not a perfect man, but he was a, he was a, a redeemed man. And I think that says it all. But if you could pull it up on, on YouTube, there was a clip of him on the Extreme Home Makeover. And his story there was, because they had a few houses renovated in the worst part of town, he moved his whole family to the worst part of New Mexico. Really.
2: Know more about New Mexico this morning, the state was featured on the season premiere of ABC's Extreme Makeover Home Edition. The Martinez family runs a mission in southeast Albuquerque, and the show this came to it. transform their lives, their home, and their neighborhood. Action I don't know if he cries in AJ this, Smith but he... ...was with the Martinez family for the show and the special events afterwards, including an inside look at their new home. It was the night a whole community was waiting for. Hmm. When New Mexico, Albuquerque, to go to and the Martinez family would take the national spotlight. That's a throwback. Dozens of people showed up at Joshua's Vineyard. The church where Gerald Martinez is a pastor. To watch ABC's Extreme Makeover, Home Edition. Different world, there's Two-hour Bethany. The premiere was all about getting the Martinez family there he is. a new home. <laughs> After the show, the group <laughs> rode a... or walked around the block to see the house in person. Dozens of people formed a human chain around the property dedicated back to man
0: cars. that was a different era.
2: then the martinez family welcomed in our cameras to tour the house we saw the kids rooms each one made to match their favorite sports places Levi. or instruments i'll have
0: him on at some point he's my cousin
2: and we even saw the very special spot where pastor martinez counts his blessings
3: every morning there he when is. Wake up, and this is the truth i i'm in my bed and normally about 4:30, my eyes open up, and that's the first thing I see.
2: Your family. My
3: family, and and I'm laying in my bed, and and I look up, and and her face mesmerizes me. I'm not kidding you. When I see it, I just, uh, you know, you know, you know. She, she, to me, she's the most beautiful lady on the planet. And then I, I look at my kids. I mean, Ali is. Loves God, and she's stunning. I mean, you, you know, you know, the, the, there's life in her face. And then this little one here, she just steals your heart. I mean, Bethany literally steals your heart. Mm-hmm. And Levi, he's just, he's just a monster. <laughs> I mean, he loves life in the he's best so full way. Full of energy, and he loves life. And then this little one down here, she's going to change the world. I promise you, she is going to change the world because she is ruthless. So this is a great way to wake up in the morning. I wake up in the morning and I see my family and I say a prayer.
2: And he prays man, that's that the weird. New home will help his mission to transform the Trumbull Village neighborhood in Southeast Albuquerque. AJ Smith actually died this morning. Oh, such a great thing, and I don't know if cool you had a chance
0: to watch the show or not. Yeah, you didn't get to see him cry or anything, but uh he was—he he, was—he was tender. He was a tender guy. He loved you. He hugged and he would kiss the homeless people that he knew that would come across the neighborhood. He knew them by name. And I thought that was just a good illustration. Um, Jesus wept at Lazarus. That was another good point. What is an alpha man? I think Jesus is the alpha right there. And if that alpha can cry, then real men can cry. It's not to say you'd be weak or anything. You obviously have some self-control, but there's something to be said about being tender, being able to feel. think you can get to a place in life where you're just so stale and you're just going through the motions and nothing, nothing's real. I know a lot of you can relate to that, but it's important to live, to live. And I think that's what it means to be tender. And sometimes that's not fun and it's not easy. Somebody was saying it, I heard it recently where uh, it's like we see all these videos of Violent acts and everything on social media—that it's it's almost impossible to be to care. Understandably so, and I'm I'm not—I don't think that we can. We don't have the capacity to care about every little individual thing. But I think it can cause us to be really callous. And something that actually guards my thinking in this is in Matthew 24 when Jesus talks about the signs of the end of the age. And he says, the hearts of many will grow cold. And I think about that sometimes when I feel like, oh, shoot, my heart's cold right now. Like I don't care about this person or that or whatever. Drive by the situation and there's a dude laying on the floor on concrete or at a bus stop and he's like maybe dead. And you see that daily here. Sometimes you could just be super callous. I could be callous and just think, oh my gosh. But but, But then you just kind of make yourself think, you're like, oh my gosh, that guy's probably dying. He's at the end of his road. I'm not saying we need to be endlessly empathetic. You got to control it, you know, and limit it to a degree, but, but gotta, you gotta, you can't be, can't cut yourself off. So that's all, that's all I mean by being tender. Okay. Number six, acquire skills. Be a high value man. Got to have skills. This is where I think you can get into subjectivity or like relativity because different skills are more valuable relative to the market. Right? Like coding or like um, making airplanes in the 1800s would have been like crazy valuable. And they still are valuable today, but you know what I'm saying? It, it can be relative, but having specific skills, um, you got to have skills, which means you have to get out there and, 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 and be, a, be an apprentice, be a student, which again requires humility, which requires effort, which eventually follows into, and this is kind of the sister of it, this is work. the idea that you want to have skills so that you can work hard, so that you can provide for yourself and your family. You don't work, you don't eat. So that's true. The reason I depart from those guys is they're like, yeah, you got to make six figures. You got to make eight, you know, seven figures, eight figures. You got to be a billionaire. And if you're a billionaire, then yeah, you're a high value, man. Because the point is like, Yes, look, I'm not discounting. Yes, money, make money. Be good at money. Be good at money, for sure. I want to be good at money. I want to, you know, be a good provider. But insofar as you're being a good provider, to just make money, store your treasures in heaven, truthfully. Store your treasures in your character. Invest in your family. Invest in your, in your in the loved ones you have around you, your friends. And yes, invest in your skills so that you can provide for your family. But to just make money and then neglect your family, like these guys would probably, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, would neglect their family. And then lastly, not lastly, I guess there's one more after this, but have a big family. I think that's my dream. I want to have 25 kids. I'm just kidding. Bree, I'm just kidding. She says, you're kind of kidding. Of course I can't have 25 kids. That's impossible. But I do want to have as many kids as I can for that ideal of having, you know, being on my deathbed and having a bunch of my grandkids around me. Who doesn't want that? But it's not just that. It's like, I think a high value man does this. He goes out. He becomes the best man he can be, and the only way to do that is become a Christian. You have to be a Christian. I'm sorry, you don't have to be, but to be a high value man, in my opinion, controversial, whatever, you have to be a Christian. Um, submit yourself to the lordship of Jesus Christ, and get wisdom. Get courage. Persevere. Get strength. Get character. And then impart those things to your kids. And then lastly, got to be fun. Mm You know, it's funny. I was talking to somebody today. um, I was buying turquoise. And uh, he was like, I'm going to sound like a Christian because I'm so lame. He said something like that. Like I was like, oh man, that's so sad. But he was like, yeah, I, uh, he was just relating Christianity or Christians to being super lame. And I was like, dang, that sucks. It's like, I'm a Christian. I think I, I hope I'm hope i kind of fun sometimes. I don't know. But got to have fun. And that leads me into this final video. I was watching this thing with my, um, uh, oh, Bree sent this to me and I cried. Because and, and it's not like a sad thing it's a really happy thing but um, this kid Romeo you've probably seen his videos uh, by now because they're extremely viral but he um, he sings this song. the kid is just a, a, a superstar and he uh, I just watched him and I was like oh my gosh this is this is the dream do you have it? let's see
3: My stupid heart, don't know, I tried to let you go, so many times before, then wonder that you go. my stupid heart, too late, already on my way, if we go down in flames, again then you can play my stupid heart. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. I feel? couldn't figure out why that made me so emotional. I was like, why are you crying? I was like, I don't know. And I still don't really fully know. I think it was like, you know, we get struck with something that's just like so beautiful. And to me, that was like really beautiful. To see like a little boy singing, you know, his heart out with his parents there, you know, his brothers. I was like, yeah, that's that's a pretty cool legacy. No, I and I literally I was talking got somebody I was like, I love this kid, I don't know what it is. And I like call me lame. But I was in the back, I was like in the middle of a work day and I was like praying for this kid. I was like, oh Lord, preserve this kid. This is a really Christian show, isn't it? (laughs) Sorry. I'm not sorry. But I was. Romeo, I love you, dude. I love your family. I'm praying for your family. So I'm going to buy my kid a guitar. Arlo and and Scout will turn. They're like, Dad, play My Stupid Heart because that song's called My Stupid Heart. And they'll sing that song and they'll do the whole head bob thing. But um, yeah, anyways, that's all I have. I love you guys. Goodbye.